Hello. Yeah, I know I'm in the second service, so, you know, I had to boogie some. The first service, I didn't have to do all of this. Now you're trying to wear me out just to get y'all together. But, you know, I'm glad you're having a good conversation. So my name is Adobe Induka. I'm one of, I serve as one of the pastors here at Mill City. So I'm glad you guys went into a wonderful conversation. It was hard to try to get y'all back, but I'm glad. Um, so for me, to answer the community time question, uh, my answer is double dutch. That is my, come on. Yes, I love that thing. I got introduced to Double Dutch when I came back to the States. Uh, I came back in middle school. So I was like, wait a minute now. This is a whole nother level of jump roping. We're doing two? Bet. I'm in. Um, however, if you ask me to do that right now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't trust my knees, y'all. I don't trust my knees at all. I trust Jesus, not my knees. Uh, so, but I do have a question for us this morning, and the question is, have you ever asked Jesus a question? Oh, I love this. In prayer, in anger, in frustration, our message today gets into our question, that someone asked Jesus. So let us pray to begin. Heavenly Father, Thank you. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are in a sermon series titled The Way of the Kingdom. And we are in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have a Bible app on your phone, or if you'd like to get the Bible in the pew, please turn to Mark 12, verses 28 to 34. It will be on the screen as well, so you can follow. I will, first, uh, I will read it first, and then I will give context to it after. Cool? Cool. I mean, it's not like if you don't agree, I wouldn't do it, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> All right, so it reads... One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, if you're not old school, you do not know what just happened, but that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Amen. All right. 
So to give context, there were three groups of people previously who came to Jesus questioning him. These group of people were religious leaders. The first group were the Pharisees. They did not appreciate that Jesus was doing things unconventionally, like eating with tax collectors, inviting women to be his followers, welcoming anyone and everyone, including Gentiles, turning water into wine. Mm -mm. It was upsetting to them that he broke their laws, like doing miracles and deliverances anytime, any day, including Sabbath, eating without washing his hands, and his claims of being the Messiah. However, this caused a lot of crowds to follow Jesus, though. Now listen, when you have 5,000 men, not including women and children, follow you to a desert to hear you teach, and they were not thinking about food, oh, Jesus was doing something. He was really doing something. Jesus' death is a wonder. For the, Phar for the Pharisees, however, Jesus was not behaving in the way they were expecting that the Messiah would behave. So they questioned him. By what authority are you doing these things? Jesus answered them with a question. And he promised them if they answer this question, he, in turn, will answer theirs. They did not answer that question. Neither did Jesus answer their question. Have you ever had an issue with God because he did not behave in the way you expect him to? Perhaps you have felt like God didn't answer a prayer in the way you have hoped. Or perhaps you are finding it very challenging to trust God right now because his timing is not looking like what you expect. Or perhaps you have asked Jesus a question and instead of getting an answer, you're getting questions. I've been there. The second group were the Hodorians. The Hodorians were Pharisees who supported Herod, and they wanted to trap Jesus with their question. They asked, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Hmm. I'm not going to say what I was going to say because we're in church, but you see how they're trying to be nice and cute, trying to butter him up? Mm -mm. So this is your question. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So basically they're trying to figure out if Jesus is a Herod supporter or not. Jesus, in turn, asked them a question. They answered the question. And then Jesus responded to them in Mark 12, verse 17. He says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were amazed by that answer. They were not expecting that. Have God given you an answer to a question and you were shocked? You assume where the answer's going to be, but then you're like, all right, never mind, I got checked. So basically, Jesus' answer, he was basically saying their obedience to God should not be the antithesis to their submission to their government. And that was shocking for them. Have you ever tried to fit Jesus into your agenda? You have made up your mind on what you want to do, 
and then you just want Jesus to go ahead and co-sign along with you so this thing can go through? Huh? Listen, I have a shirt, built a house on it, everything. It was horrible. Been there, chair. The third group were the Sadducees. They do not believe in life after death. So they said to Jesus, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and lives and leaves a woman or leaves a wife with no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So they gave Jesus this hypothetical situation. Like there were seven brothers. First one got married, dies, left no children. The second married that same wife, dies, have no children. The third marries that same wife, dies, has no children, all the way to the seventh one. <laughs> marries, dies, have no children. I have issue with this hypothetical. So you tell me the other brothers are just sitting there waiting? <laughs> just wondering. But whatever, we'll go back to the point. I digress. So the question is this. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And Jesus responded, are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? My interpretation what you talking about? <laughs> Do you know my father? You obviously don't know your word. And then Jesus goes on to say, when the dead rise, not if, when. And when they rise, there'll be no marrying. They're just going to be like angels. And by the way, didn't you read in scripture when God was introducing himself to Moses? He said, I'm God of Abraham, God of Isaac, I'm God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. I was like, all right, come on, Jesus. Let him know. He was standing on business on this one. After these groups brought their questions, to, their questions to Jesus, and he responded to them, this is where our passage picks up. The teacher in this passage has been listening to the, the debate and was impressed with Jesus' response. And so he was like, well, dang, let me throw in my question. I got one. And he asked this question. Out of all the groups questioning Jesus, he asked a question that focused on what did God say? Out of all these commandments, which one's the greatest? You see, the questions previously were all about his authority, his allegiance, and the afterlife. This one was questioning just trying to figure out how much do you know this God? And Jesus did not hesitate. He does not hesitate. He does not respond with a question or a parable or a rebuke. He dives right on in and answers it, combining two Old Testament uh, commandments. The first is found in De Deuteronomy 6, Verses 4 through 5. This is also known as the Jewish Shema. Listen, all Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is something the Jews who believe in Yahweh recited every morning and every evening. 
the most important command, part of it, is recited twice a day by those that believe in Yahweh. The second commandment found in Leviticus 19, verse 18, which is love your neighbor as yourself. This teacher of the law responded to Jesus, I would imagine, with excitement. Not only did he commend Jesus for telling the truth, he goes even further to display his understanding of this greatest commandment. And yet Jesus looked at him and said, you are not too far from the kingdom of God. The Pharisees, the Hadarians, the Sadducees, their questions were their attempt to justify their, re their uh, rejection of Jesus and his teachings of the, uh, of the kingdom of God. This teacher perhaps might have had a different motive. The Jewish Shema only has has Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. And yet, this teacher knew to include Leviticus 19, verse 18. That the most important commandment, the one most greatest one, is to love God and to love people. And yet, with that knowledge, with that understanding, Jesus still looks at him and says, you are not too far from the kingdom. Some commentators suggest that this is an invitation for the teacher to take the final step, which is to follow Jesus. It was an opportunity for this teacher to repent and believe in Jesus. And I agree. I wonder what would have happened if he asked a follow-up question. Like, how can we obey this greatest commandment? He didn't ask. Jesus gave him an invitation to grow deeper and to come close to God. And unfortunately, we don't know if this teacher took or even responded to this invitation. To love God and people is a command and not a suggestion in the kingdom of God. Let's look into the greatest commandment, shall we? First, what does it mean to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength? It means to love God with all of your being, totally and in every facet of your life. We are commanded to love God with all of our understanding, feeling, spirit, thinking, volition, energy, might, power, and entire life. See how he didn't leave nothing out. God commands that we love him with all of who we are and with all that we do. God wants everything. He doesn't want you to give him your heart and leave out your mind. He doesn't want you to give him your soul and leave out your strength. He wants everything. Jesus wants a deep and closer relationship with us. Secondly, we are commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. This comes from Leviticus 19 verse 18, like I said. And in that context, God was speaking to the people of Israel. And just in case they got confused by what he meant by a neighbor, God goes into in Leviticus 19, verses 33 to 34. He says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as, their na as your native born. Love them as yourself. 
In the New Testament, Jesus goes further and said in, in Mark, uh, Matthew 5, verses 44, he says, love your enemies. Six out of the ten commandments is all about how we treat others. How we treat each other matters in the kingdom of God. Some scholars have suggested that Jesus is given a new Shema to his followers, meaning a phrase that we would recite every morning and every evening. So in this Lent season, what if we pick up reciting the great commandments every morning, every evening, just like the Jewish community does with the Jewish Shema today? If this is something you are interested in doing, you can go to millcitychurch.com hub. Scroll on down, you'll see a Lent screensaver. Choose an image you would like and download it to your phone or your computer. I know, I have. So when you are on your phone or your computer, you'll be reminded to recite this. I wonder what impact that would have on our hearts and our minds and in our souls. I think the greatest commandment brings up two questions we should ask ourselves when we recite these words. First, is there a part of your life that you are holding back from Jesus? Is it your heart, your mind, how you're feeling about certain things, your decision-making, your soul, the way you do life? How might Jesus be calling you to grow deeper and closer to him? I will give you a minute to listen to the Spirit. For me, Jesus challenged me to open up more. The most pain I've experienced has come from my relationships with people. So I was in seclusion for a long while because I was going through the process of healing my heart. And to, to be honest, also look into myself and find out what I do wrong and bring to the table as well. I'm an introvert, so low-key. <laughs> I was enjoying the seclusion. <laughs> because, you know, to me, it was safe. Well, so I thought. Now Jesus began to nudge me now to open up. Time to open up, time to get out. And one thing I know about Jesus is this, if I don't know anything else about him, is he is a gentle savior. He will ease me into opening up and to whom. So I began to open up to people he placed in my life. I ain't going to lie to you, y'all. It was scary. But with practice, I began to see and continue to experience the wonderful blessing of doing life with people God placed in my life. I'm learning to ask for help 
a little bit more. And I have to tell you, it feels good. And I find myself joining in in what God is doing in and with the people in my life. And I have to tell you, there is no way I will experience that love of God if I stayed in seclusion. Second question, how is Jesus inviting you to specifically love someone in your life? Is there someone God wants you to extend more grace, more mercy, listen to to gain more understanding, pray for regularly, to hold accountable, to go to therapy with, to support more, to treat better, to be more involved with, to invest in, to be vulnerable with, to be open to. What is it that's coming to mind right now? Who is the Holy Spirit bringing to your memory right now? I'm going to give you a minute to listen to the Spirit. A lady who I haven't spoke to in a long while called me re recently. This past Tuesday, as a matter of fact, the day that my son turned 20. So she called, picked up. We exchanged pleasantries. And then she asked me how I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm doing very well. I didn't do the whole blessed and highly favorite thing, you know. Doesn't do it very well. And then she says, I'm glad things are going very well for you. Is it making you think of Mike? Mike is my ex-husband. Thinking of him brings painful memories, unfortunately. And so I was about to hang up on this woman. with my God-fearing, filled with the Holy Ghost self. I was about to hang up on her. So as the image is coming in my mind and as I'm envisioning myself getting this phone and hitting that red button, a sweet peace came over my heart, a peace I know for sure did not come from me. And this peace com communicated to me, you will have an opportunity to end this call. Just wait for it. So I waited, and I let her talk. It was not fuss, didn't fuss, nothing. And then she messed around and trying to use passage of scripture out of context, <laughs> trying to manipulate my emotion. I saw the door. I saw the opportunity. I was like, all right, this is the time. So I kindly gave her the context of the passage that she was referring to and to whom this passage is addressing. And then I pleasantly told her, good night. 
have a wonderful evening, and I hanged up. See, this woman is his cousin. She is the one that introduced us. And in that conversation, I realized she's feeling guilty that she introduced her cousin and it didn't work out. I tell you, that's Jesus, though, because, listen, prior to that, I could care less how she was feeling because I was worried about my feelings. What are you doing trying to mess around my dad, by the way, that I'm having a good time, having fun with my son. He just turned 20. What are we doing? But the Holy Ghost had me to pause. The greatest commandment is a commandment that is impossible for us to do in our own strength. However, in Mark 10, verse 27, Jesus said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Through Jesus, we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit to obey the greatest commandment. It doesn't matter if you are far from the kingdom of God, near to the kingdom of God, or in the kingdom of God. God will always give an invitation to anyone to go deep and to come closer to him. Coming close, however, requires growth and humility. So if you decide to recite the new Shema, please pray for his help to obey it. In our passage today, we see the Pharisees, Hadarians, the Sadducees, and the teacher. They all came with questions. And so, I'd like to ask, what questions do you have for Jesus today? As we can see, Jesus can handle them all. What part of your life might God be asking you to surrender to him? How might the Spirit be inviting you to love those in your life this week and beyond? Jesus promised the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so we could live out the great commandment. And there's another gift God has given us to empower us to love God and others, each other. God gave us community. We love God together, like when we worship together, pray together, study scripture in a quarter hour together, and also love our neighbors together. We can encourage each other to love our neighbors, our coworkers, and even sometimes our challenging family members. We can pray for one another as we struggle in some of these relationships. And we all have do struggle. As, pa- as part of Mill City, you are part of loving Northeast Minneapolis in the name of Jesus. Together as a church community, we are asking what is God doing and how can we respond? We are in a place as a community to make a significant impact where we come together, when we come together. I'm passionate about leading our church in the area of community impact here in Northeast. We are currently in the process of creating a a community impact team to help us discern and ask God how he wants us to love our community in the name of Jesus. Perhaps one of the ways God is inviting you to join the um, the great commandment is to join this team. And if it is you, please head to millcitychurch.com slash hub to learn more, or you can meet me at the great room right after service. 
we all have questions to ask Jesus. We all do. Because his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. The challenge, however, is when he gives us an answer, no matter how we feel about it, are we willing to step in and grow deeper and come closer to Jesus? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to step into your invitation to grow deeper and to come closer to you in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.